Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise the Lord, everybody. So glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning with everybody. Um, man, I'm just excited for first word today. Um, I know that, you know, we, I love preaching, but teaching, I, I feel, is what's given me the best instruction in, uh, for my everyday life. Um, the Word of God says, I opened my mouth and panted, or I desired, for I longed for thy commandments. Uh, a couple verses later, it says, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. We, teaching is so vital in our life. And I'm just thankful that, that the vision that Bishop has to give us his word and, and, and first word, to give us God's word to, to direct us in, in, in these moments, in our life moments, in our living moments. Because this isn't just about going to church, it's about a lifestyle. And I'm so thankful for first word and I'm excited about it because it changes my life, it changes my family, it, it changes my daily walk. So if we would start this off with praying and thanking God for the opportunity to be in his word. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the privilege once again to come to your house. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the vision you've given our bishop, Lord, to give us your word first for our daily lives. God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, God, to order my steps, God, that there be no iniquity in me, God. Order my steps in your word, O oh Lord. God, that I would be edified, that we would be edified, O oh God, that you would be glorified in our daily life. God, I don't want to be accidentally anything. I don't want to be accidentally agnostic, God, but I want to be intentionally yours, intentionally in your word, intentionally in your ways and in your precepts, O oh God. God, that you would receive the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus name Bishop thank you so much we love you love you too amen let's clap our hands and thank God for everything he's done for us this week praise the name of the Lord and uh, you do not have to stand for the reading of the word this morning you can be seated we're just going to jump right in to the book of James chapter 5 and uh, I do want to say this is the last um, this is the last session of the series that has been put together by assistant pastor on the accidentally agnostic and uh, I do want to say to uh, this church on behalf of Pastor Cody I appreciate it has been excellent hasn't it? the teaching been amazing we're so thankful Amen. Over the summer, the last several weeks. Next Sunday, we're going to start a series on uh, biblical family. Biblical family. We're going to, we're going to talk about um, everything from, from dating to training children all the way to uh, multi-generational families that we are dealing with today and walking through tough times as families and everything from a biblical perspective. So we want you to be here and this series that we're going to start next next Sunday at 10 a.m. And so we're thankful. Today, we're going to talk about prayer. Prayer. What does prayer look like? Does God hear me when I pray? And I do believe that God hears us when we pray. Don't you? And uh, I was preaching in, in the uh, Northeast probably two years ago. 
at a camp meeting, and while I was there, God revealed to me why there's so many atheists in that area. And one of the reasons, the thing that God showed me, is because people went to churches their entire life and never felt God, never heard the voice of God, never saw a miracle from God, and they were just hearing a lesson about what Christ was in the Bible, but not seeing him alive in their life today. And I would say to you, why well, pray to a God that's not listening? Or have faith in just somebody that existed, but really is not present now. I'm going to tell you just from the start of this, Jesus is not hanging on a crucifix. If you went to his grave, you're not going to find him there. How many know that? He got up, and we celebrate that Easter Sunday. We celebrate that every Sunday. How many believe Jesus is alive? He's alive this morning. He hears us when we pray. Amen. He does. Look at your neighbor and say, God hears you when you pray. There is more to faith than believing that he existed. Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega. He said, I'm the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. There's a lot of people that believe he was, but we believe that he is. Can you say amen? He's not affected by time. Praise the name of the Lord. Approaching God with faith. And Hebrews tells us, I'll quote a few things and we'll dive right into this teaching. But the Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please Him. For we must believe that He is. Everybody shout, He is. Not just He was, not just He will be, but He is. That's a present tense verb. He's right now. How many know he's our ever-present help in the time of trouble? When you call on him, he answers. Would you clap your hands and thank God that he hears us when we pray? The book of James chapter 5, reading with verse 13, we will read a few uh, from, this, from this text and pull some things from this. But James 5 and 13, he is, he is known for his writing... And for many, he was known as a contradictory writer because some believed all you had to have was faith. But James was adamant about mixing faith with action. Not just believing he can answer prayer, but praying. Not just believing, but putting it into motion. That's why he said faith without works is what? Dead. I can believe all day he answers prayer, but if I don't pray, nothing's going to happen. I can believe all day if I repent of my sins, he'll forgive me. But if I don't repent, he's not going to forgive me. How many know that? I've got to put action with my faith. James writes here, he says, Is any among you afflicted? Do what? Let him pray. There's a verse that says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he shall deliver us out of them all. He says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry or happy? Let him sing psalms. And um, he grows on and says, Any sick among you? What did he say for the sick to do? Let them call. Let those that are sick call. For the elders of the church, let them pray over him, 
anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And that is a practice that we do here at the church. If someone is sick, they'll come to the front, say, I need prayer. Boy, that has changed since COVID because we told everybody to stay home if they're sick. You've got surgery coming up. You've got something going on. You would call for the elders of the church. And um, uh, Bryce, would you bring me the, the bottle of anointing oil that we have, uh, have there? And we anoint you with oil. There were so many miracles that took place in the early 1900s when there was a, a really a restoration of faith in the believers and started practicing biblical practices that they would practice this portion of scripture when someone was sick, they would anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. What is that name? Jesus. There were so many miracles that happened by the believers in the church by anointing the oil and praying that there were some people that came from a college. They took the anointing oil and they thought the healing was in the oil because there were so many miracles. They took it to a chem chemistry lab and tested it and guess what they found out? It was just olive oil. Because in their mind it was medicinal. But the truth of the matter is it was an, it was an act of faith and obedience to the scripture that brought the power of God. No man can heal you. Only God can heal you. It is up to him. It is by his power that he heals us and changes our lives. Do you believe that? And so if there's any sick among you, Call for the elders and the interchangeable with the word pastors. Or, or, and, then, and they will anoint you with oil and pray in the name of the Lord. Look what verse 15 says. And the prayer of faith shall what? Save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Why does it say this? Why does it say if they committed any sins, they're forgiven for being prayed for because they're sick? Because the word prayer of faith is the only place in scripture this word prayer of faith is used in its origin. There's no word like it. It's only used specifically here. It means a prayer with a vow. A prayer with a vow. There was a lady standing here one time. I didn't know her. She came up for prayer. And I asked her as I would when people come for prayer, what would you like God to do for you today? And she said, I am scheduled for surgery. I've got a blockage in my bowel. I said, if God heals you, will you serve him the rest of your life? I brought her to a point of making a covenant, making a vow. How I many know that's all through the Old Testament? The Ark of the Covenant represented that vow. And, and I had her to make a vow. I asked her, do you believe when I pray for you that God will heal you? She said, yes. And when I prayed for her, the power of God came upon her immediately. God filled her with his spirit. She began to pray in a heavenly language as God gave her the ability. And she was immediately healed and did not have to have surgery. Because there's power in obeying the word of the Lord. I come to tell you, it doesn't matter how extreme the situation is. There is a God that can meet your need according to his riches and glory. By the touch of the master's hand. Oh, clap your hands. And if, you, if he's ever healed you... Would you wave your hands and say, man, look at the hands in this room. We got people scattered all over this building today, but just in this room alone, there are miracles in here. I think you ought to praise him for it because if he did it for you, he can do it for somebody else today. He can do it all over again. Amen. Amen. It was, 
It, this scripture was practiced, and, and we're talking about prayer today. When, my, when I was born, and you know my story about being born with crippled feet, my mother took me to church on a Wednesday night because God doesn't only move on Sundays or camp meetings or revivals. He's not confined to a day that he does miracles. He's confined to our faith. I mean, no faith moves him. And my mother took me uh, obeying this scripture in James 5. And when took me up there, my pastor laid hands on me, anointed me with oil in the name of the Lord. The braces were ordered, already diagnosed. But when he said the name of Jesus, God performed a healing in my life and those crippled feet straightened right up and never had to wear a brace. Why? Because he hears us when we pray. He hears us when we pray. That oil in that moment is just an act of faith. God will always have you to, to do an act of faith. Can you say amen? He told the blind man to go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. And when he washed, he was healed. He told the man with a withered hand, stretch forth your hand. When he stretched it forth, he was healed. It wasn't just believing. It was, it was doing something, obeying the word of the Lord. That's why baptism is powerful. It's an experience. It remits your sins. Why? Because when you're baptized and when you are baptized, it is an obedience to his word. In 1 Peter it says, you have purified your souls in obeying the gospel. When you obeyed or you acted upon his word, not just believed I was going to be baptized or believed when I repented or believed that if I got prayed for, I'd be healed. Not healed at that moment, but when you begin to take motion in it, acted upon it, God responded to your obedience. Do you believe that? Amen. And look what it says. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord don't you think it's powerful that when you pray, the Lord of heaven comes to you? And the Lord, what? Shall raise him up. And if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. It goes on, verse 16, confess your faults one to another. And what? Pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It does a lot of good. If you're not praying, the reason you're not praying is because you don't believe God hears you when you pray. The reason you do not pray is because you don't believe that your prayer matters. If you genuinely believe that prayer matters, you'll pray. And I believe he hears us. Would you put the, the verse from Psalms up here? Look what it says. Do you have that? Sister Angie, do you have that? Pastor Cody? There it is. Are you ready? Everybody say it with me. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I cried unto him, and he heard me. I want you to say this. God does Hear me when I pray. It reads on and says from the effectual fervent prayer. I'm not just talking about methodical prayer. Just doing this watching your watch prayer. Just doing your routine prayer. 
it's one o'clock, I got to get this out of the way so I won't feel guilty. I'm not talking about that type of prayer. I'm talking about fervent prayer. I'm talking about getting a hold of God prayer. I'm talking about prayer from your heart, not your mind prayer. I'm talking about being moved prayer. I'm talking about being stirred prayer. I'm talking about being concerned prayer. I'm talking about praying with faith and not religion, routine. I'm talking about praying from your heart. And sometimes people think it's the perfection of their prayer that gets God's attention. You, you know, if you're not careful, you'll think only God hears you if you pray in the King James Version. Oh, Heavenly Father, I say unto thee, it is thy servant, Aaron Bounds, and uh, thou's and thus's. God, God doesn't speak the king's English. He speaks your English. And what moves God is not the grammar perfection of your tongue. It is the heart in which it is prayed. Hallelujah. And when I begin to pray, if, if I really believe that my prayer makes a difference, and if, if I'm going to tell you, I think sometimes we think the will of God is just going to unfold in our lives. And um, it's just going to unfold. It, whether I can't get in the way of it, I can't stop it. It's just, if that's what God wants... I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that God chooses us for now. And that God chooses you for a reason. And uh, I feel my help coming upon me right now. Amen. The Bible says that God setteth the solitary in a family. I believe in every family there's at least one chosen for that entire family. It's the only place in scripture and Psalms that says he setteth the solitary. Everywhere else the word solitary is used. It's used as an adjective. It's used as a defining of. But this word solitary is making reference to a person. He said, I said it, the solitary in the family. What is the role of that solitary? It's to stand between God and those they care about. And I'm going to say to every man in this room, over the years you hear more about grandma being that than you do men being that. But I believe in the end time God is putting a call upon men to become intercessors and prayer warriors for their families. I'm going to teach on this next week. But I believe we need praying men. I want every man to stand. I want every man to stand right now in this room. I am telling you, we have about 50% men in this church and I'm thankful. But it is not the will of God for you, for you not to pray. It is not the will of God for you just let your wife cover the kids. It is the will of God for you to pray. The statement is a family that prays together will stay together. I believe that every man in this room got to understand who you are. I am a man of God. He has saved me from my sins so I can have access to him. And when I call upon his name, he's going to hear me when I pray. If I was the devil and I believed scripture, you know what I would do? That if your prayer God heard your prayer and it works. I would do everything in my power to stop you from praying. I would hand you every device I could. I would put everything in your life that I could. I would give you false expectations to make you busier than you have time to pray. I would do everything I can to stop you from praying if I knew that prayer would work. But I wonder what would happen in a man today that you said nothing's going to get in the way of my time alone with God. My wife needs me to pray. My children need me to pray. Amen. My grandkids need me to get a hold of God. I need to get a hold of God or we're going to miss the will of God.
Amen. You may be seated. Even in Jesus' teaching, he said, they said, teach us to pray. What did he say? He said, when you pray, you pray this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth. Right here where I'm living. Right here at 1365 Chamberlain Street where the address of the church is. What's your address? I think you ought to say it. Lord, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I want you to say at your address. But say your address right now. Say your address. Thank you. I've got all your addresses today. I'll be coming and seeing you. He already knows where your address is. But he needs you to pray for your address. He told Esther, Mordecai, I made this statement to Esther in the Old Testament. He said, Esther, if you don't go to the king, if you don't do what you've been called to do now, come on, you're, you're not living in the 40s. You're not born in the 1800s. God's called you to this generation. And he said, Esther, if you, don't, if you don't go to the king and pray for your people and petition for your people, he said, do you not realize you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Everybody say, right now. Don't put off tomorrow what God wants you to do now. Right now, go to the king. And he said, if you don't, you're going to be destroyed. But God's going to send a deliverer from somewhere else. You know what I want? I don't want, I don't want God to have to call somebody else to do what he's called me to do. He hasn't called me just to preach. He called me to pray. He hasn't called this church just to come to church on Sunday and sing a few songs and, and go and, and do what we do. But he's called you to be an intercessor. He's called you to be a prayer warrior. Because when you lift your hands and lift your voice to God, God bends his ear toward you. His ear is not dull that he cannot hear. His eye is not dim that he does not see. Neither is his hand short that he can't reach. But he responds to the people that pray I believe if we'll pray heaven will come to us I believe help from God will come to us come on God can come right where you are he's able somebody shout he's able I'm supposed to be teaching I'm preaching right now let's, let's read on look what it says Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are everybody say passion and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. My goodness. He prayed, and God responded to him. You know why? He had a passion. Can I ask you today, what are you passionate about? What is it that you, oh, pastor, I'd pray, but I don't know what I'm going to pray for. You don't have any passion. Passion produces I've learned this. You can't educate passion. You can't hand it out. You can't sell it. you got to get along with God until you get it. Become passionate about something. How about this? How about our children on the streets that are wandering uh, aimlessly through life? Is there anybody passionate about our city? Is there anybody passionate about overdoses? Is there anybody passionate about the chaos going on in our community? Is there anybody passionate about the chaos going on in our world? Somebody's got to get passionate enough that we stand before God and say we need a miracle in our city. We need a miracle in our nation. I need a miracle in my family. Somebody shout passion. And when he began to pray with passion, he prayed again 
The Bible says he prayed again, the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. I believe prayer can change the trajectory of people's lives. If you believe it, say amen. But the Bible tells us that in uh, the Gospels it says, but if we pray amiss, what does that mean? If, if we pray with the wrong intentions, God's not going to hear us. And he said in this teaching, he made this statement. He said, because you pray to have what somebody else has. And said, the reason I'm not answering you because you want this, this prayer to be answered out of your own lust or out of your own desire, but not asking for my will. Sometimes we can pray for the wrong thing because our heart isn't where it needs to be. Let me know that. You can. You, 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 you could ask for promotions that take you out of the church. Because sometimes giftings will take you where character can't keep you. And sometimes we want it because we want this, we want to have that. And, and, and God puts the brakes on your prayers because sometimes we want the, 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 our will instead of the will of God. And Jesus was the great example when he said, not my will when he was praying. But thine be done. I think sometimes we are asking God to remove something from our life that he's left in our life to, to change who we are. And he, may, he said, Lord, if this cup can pass, then let it pass. Watch his prayer. He wasn't. Oh, no. He was praying, and it was as if it was great drops of blood. His, the, 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 the. The, the pressure, the fervency, knowing what he was going to go through. No wonder no flesh wants to endure pain. No flesh wants to suffer. No flesh wants to do without. But he understood. He understood it. He said, Lord, if this cup can pass, let it pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. If I'm going to walk through this trial, I'll walk through this trial. And I'm going to tell you, it was suffering on his part, but it brought healing to us. It was painful on his part, but it brought life-changing power to us. Amen. He endured. I mean, no, he endured the shame. He endured the cross. Sometimes we ask God to get us out of things that he wants us to go through. I feel that so strong today. What are you praying for? Can I say this? When you pray, you pray for the will of God above anything. God, I want, I want this to pass. But nevertheless, if this is what you allotted in my life, I feel this right now. You know what grace is? It's the power to get through. It's the power to overcome. And, and Paul the apostle, he said, Lord, I've got a thorn in my flesh. One translation says a spike, a nail. I've got a painful situation I'm dealing with. Lord, I'm asking you today, I'm asking you today to, to, to move this out of my life, change this out of my life. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. He didn't remove it. He left it, left him with it. He said, but I'm going to give you the grace to get through it. If God has not removed it from your life, he's going to give you the grace to walk with it in your life. But if he doesn't remove it from your life, it's not that he hasn't heard. It's that he trusts you with what you're going through. 
your failure, your mistake, and your trial were all calculated in his grace. Look at your neighbor and say, I wasn't made to fail. I was made to win. If you believe that, clap your hands and praise him. I'm going to walk through this valley. Amen. So why is it sometimes that when we pray, I think we get out of balance? I think we can, we can as Pentecostal people, feel with the Spirit, uh, meaning that on the day of Pentecost when he poured the Spirit out, they begin to pray in a heavenly language and unbelievers begin to believe when they heard these people speaking in their language the wonderful works of God. I think sometimes that we wait on a move of the Spirit before we pray. And the Bible doesn't say you wait on the move of the Spirit. When should we pray? Anybody know? Always. Is that right? Pray without ceasing. I want to do a little teaching today from the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's read with verse 13. Because I do believe when we pray, when heaven comes, it impacts us. Where is the kingdom of God? Jesus said the kingdom of God is where? Everybody say it's in you. It's within you. That's right. And um, verse 13, it says, Wherefore, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13, Wherefore let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue, Paul was teaching the church at Corinth, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may what? Interpret. That's right. If, if I'm standing before you and I'm speaking in an unknown tongue, when you begin to study that, even Jesus taught in the book of Mark chapter 16, he said, these signs shall follow them that what? In my name they shall cast out devils and they shall what? Speak with new tongues. Isn't that what it says? They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Everybody say, that's signs of the believers. That's what Jesus taught us in Mark 16 and, and 16. And so he taught us we would speak in a new tongue. Paul's referencing as an unknown tongue. He said, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. If I stood before you and began to pray in tongues, you know what you're going to do? You're going to try to figure out what I'm trying to say. It's going to be confusion. And if I speak in an unknown tongue to you, he said, pray for an interpretation. Why? For it's going to be not edifying. Everybody say not edifying. The gifts of the Spirit. Everybody say the gifts of the Spirit. Praise God. The gifts of the Spirit are to edify the body. What does it mean to edify? It means to be built up, to be strengthened. And um, we are moved in the Spirit. We can pray in the Spirit. And that is considered when you're praying in the Spirit, you speak in an unknown tongue. But if I'm talking to you in an unknown tongue, it makes no sense. It has to be interpreted. He says in this, I'm going to teach from here what it says. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. When you are praying in tongues, as they did in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, and they were all through the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or the ability to speak. We don't have classes on how to speak in tongues. I can't teach you a language, a heavenly language. That is something between you and God. How many know that? And Paul 
Paul says, but when you are speaking or praying in an unknown tongue, he said, your understanding is unfruitful. How many of you ever prayed in an unknown tongue and you didn't know what you were saying? Oh, yeah. He said, what is it then? Watch what he said. I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. He said, I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to pray in an unknown tongue when that happens because the principle of this is Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. I mean, no, Jesus taught us that. Holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, comes in your heart, you're going to start speaking something. And when they begin to speak in an unknown tongue, it was from God. It was, it was a touch from the Lord. It was the ability to begin to do this. And look what he says. He says, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. And I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. And I will sing with the understanding also. What he's saying is, once God fills you with His Spirit, He has allowed you to begin to pray in the Spirit. It doesn't mean you don't pray in the English anymore. It doesn't mean praying in English isn't, isn't needed, that you just pray in tongues or pray in an unknown tongue. It feels good. There's no experience like it. Can I get a witness from somebody? Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, prayed in, in, in an unknown tongue. But let's look what it says. It says, Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say a man at the giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? If, if, if I bless you in tongues, which doesn't make any sense, and this is what he's teaching, if I'm praying, if I was up here, let me give you an example. If I was up here preaching in, in Mandarin, would you get anything out of what I was preaching? I would need somebody that can interpret that. Our Spanish service is at 2 o'clock. We have people that are coming that can't speak English. And if I got up and preached in English, you think they're going to get anything out of what I'm saying? Oh, no. But as powerful is that when I uh, have that interpreted, all of a sudden you see the light come on because they're understanding what I'm saying. That's just logical. Preaching in English, having it interpreted in Spanish. And what he's saying is this, but when you're speaking an unknown tongue, you're not speaking to people when you're praying. But if you speak to somebody in tongues, it has to be interpreted or it was out of line. Can you say amen? This is what it says. It says, how can they say amen? At the giving of thanks, seeing they understand not what thou sayest. For thou verily give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God. Look what Paul said, the apostle Paul, who wrote most of the books of the New Testament, he said, I thank my God that I what? He said, I speak with tongues more than ye all. How many believe he spake with tongues? What's he talking about? He's talking about an unknown tongue. He's talking about something that was different from, from uh, the Roman language. It was something different from the Hebrew language, which he spoke as well. It was not taught. When you begin to study, it means you weren't taught that language. It goes on and says, he says, I think I speak, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than y'all. Look what he said in verse 19. Yet in the church, when I am in front of people, he said, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, be not children in understanding. What did he say? Howbeit in malice be children, but in understanding be men. 
I have been in services to where people spake in tongues and they were out of order. Anybody ever seen that? Oh yeah, I've seen that. I was in Cambridge and there was somebody powerfully moved by God. They were speaking in an unknown tongue. They were speaking in tongues in the altar. And while they were there, I saw some guests that were there. And a guest that had attended a few times. They'd never been around a church where people speak in tongues. And this person was just, I'm talking about passionately praying in tongues. And, uh, and they looked at me. Uh, well, I went to her and I just told her, I said, God is touching you mightily. Wasn't that she wasn't having experience with God? I said, you need to pray quieter. Nobody knew what I said. I leaned down and because everybody in the building could hear. I said, you need to pray quieter. Well, she did. She toned it, toned it right down, probably, you know, was probably a little bit hesitant, but she did. She, she was obedient. And I went over, our guests were sitting there, and I went and talked to her. They said, what was, she, what, what, what was going on? I said, she was out of line. She was out of order. I said, but she was experiencing the power of God. She was just, the volume was too high. Are y'all hearing me right now? When you're in church and God is moving on you, people within 50 feet shouldn't be hearing you speak in tongues. A guest comes in and you're having a great move of God. They can't hear the preacher. They can't hear the singing because you are just lost in it. You're, you're out of line. Oh, let the church say amen. You can get very excited because the Bible says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. It is a powerful experience. The Bible said you would be endued with powerful and high. That's when heaven come to earth and on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost moved on them and they began to speak with other tongues. The crowd, it was when it was noised abroad, God used it and he began to speak in their languages through them. It was a powerful thing. And it, it names, it says, when the, when the day of Pentecost they were speaking in tongues, people heard they were gathered from, from nations all over the world. And, they, and it talks about the Parthians and the Medes and the Lamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia. It names all of those regions. And when the people in the upper room, the 120, began to speak in tongues, they weren't just speaking. It was an unknown tongue to them, but they were speaking in the language of people that could hear them. And they said, how is it that these Galileans, these people that Hebrew speaking people, how is it these people are speaking in our languages the wonderful works of God? I was at a church where this happened. I was at a church where a lady began to, went up to somebody and the Spirit of God came upon her. And a lady was Spanish that came into the congregation. She was having issues in her womb. And when this lady that I grew up with, Went up and laid hands on her, began to pray. She started speaking in an unknown tongue to her, but spoke in the language of this lady. And she told her, God's going to heal the baby in your womb. Isn't that powerful? God used her to minister to that lady. When you are speaking in tongues, it has to be edified or it was too loud. Paul, so he addresses in prayer. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when Jesus went to the cross, the, the wall of partition, the veil of the temple that separated the common man from God, when Jesus died, it was ripped from the top to the bottom. I want you to turn your Bibles and, and, and look at this. Hebrews, amen, chapter 12. Let's look and see what it says. Hebrews chapter 12. Excuse me, chapter 4. It says, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then. Are y'all ready? 
Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be what? Touched. That is a double negative. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. You know what that means? We can touch him. You can touch God. How many believe that? With the feeling of our infirmities or our weaknesses or whatever we're going through. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Everybody read verse 16 with me. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How many are glad you can go right to the Lord? You can go right to him. Amen. In the name of Jesus, you can go right to him. In, in 1 Corinthians, I'm going to wrap this up. Time is getting away from me uh, this morning. But in chapter 14, he says, Yet in the church, verse 19, I had rather speak five words with understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Let's read on down. It says, verse 22, um, it says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign. Everybody say a sign. Not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesy, prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there cometh in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say they're mad or they're crazy? You see that? He's bringing order to this. But if all prophesy and therefore come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. How is it then, brethren, when you come together? Every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done. What? He's saying it's not about you. It's about how does it affect those around me? That's what the gifts are for. And so, listen, can you speak in tongues and it not need to be interpreted? Absolutely, yes. But if I'm giving a message to the church in tongues and everybody's attentive to me, it has to be interpreted or I was out of line. I was out of order. Are you with me today? Just a couple more minutes. Look what it says in chapter 14, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 14 and 2. Look what it says. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. The Bible tells us that our spirit owns grutter, uh, we utter groanings we cannot understand. And there's moments of that. When you get beyond the veil, when you get beyond the veil, as I was saying earlier, you get into this place before God that is absolutely supernatural. That you begin to pray in a language that you don't understand. But it is a direct line between you and God. But it's not just speaking in tongues when you get there. You can be in the spirit and begin to pray prayers that you didn't think in your mind. God begins to lay on your heart. If we're in the church and someone in a powerful prayer meeting, and I've seen it happen my entire life, such tailored words. Somebody stands up and gives, begins to speak. There's a holy hush that comes over the crowd. How many have experienced that? Holy hush. I've been in rooms where there's 3,000 people. Hush come over the crowd and one person begin to give a message in tongues and somebody else would say, Thus saith the Lord. 
It was a message to them from God through the gift of tongues and then the gift, everybody say, of interpretation. I believe something happens for me when I'm praying in tongues. I believe your soul knows things about you deep down in your life. How many know your spirit knows everything about you? The secrets of the heart. I believe when you're praying in an unknown tongue, direct line to God, that there are things that are deep down within you that you begin to be edified and build up while you are speaking in tongues. But I believe there's a place also in prayer where you stop speaking in tongues. You get on your knees, standing, walking, whatever you do when you pray. But you begin to petition to the Lord what is needed. I'm telling you, you begin to pray the burden of the Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Everybody say prayer. I think we can do both in prayer. I have found it very effective to write prayers down. Who has ever written prayers out? I write prayers out and I will read them to the Lord. And I have had God to respond so tailored and so, so specific within 24 hours of those moments. What I'm teaching you, we need a move of God. We need a, a boldness of prayer. I mean, you can, you can look at an Acts 2, Acts 10. You can see it in Acts 8, Acts 19, where the actions of the church, where the first church was, where there was an outpouring of God and there was a move of the Spirit that was in them, begin to pray in tongues. But I'm going to tell you, it has to be with balance because we need to be intentional praying as well. When you get into the Spirit, when you get into the Spirit, I'm telling you, you can pray to pass the will of God. Do you believe that? Lift your hands right now and ask God to minister to you. Lord, we thank you for everything that you're doing and everything that you've done. God, we want to follow your word and your will in everything. God, we believe in the supernatural power of your spirit where you speak to us, where you speak to people, that we pray things sometimes we don't understand, but we know that you hear us when we pray. God, we are praying right now for a moving of your spirit. Lord, to move upon this congregation, oh God, to where when we pray in the church and your spirit moves on us, God, we're, we, we, we are acknowledging what is around us and God walking with wisdom in that, but God, we don't want to ever quench your spirit or hinder what you're doing, oh Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Somebody say amen. I tell you what, I am going to pick pick up on this and begin to finish this on Wednesday. And uh, next week we're going to start a family series. But I do feel like we need some teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. I want God to use me. I want God to flow through my prayer time. I want God to flow through me. Would you clap your hands and thank God for His Word? Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.